You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, faith family. It is good to see you. It is good to worship with you. If you would open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, we can continue our series, Walk This Way. This is a uh, series we've been walking through in the book of Ephesians for quite some time. This particular part, uh, Walk This Way, we're talking about all the commands here in the scriptures to the church. Chapters 1 through 3, Paul writes to the church uh, to talk to them about what it looks like that we have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus, sacrificed for us in our place where he stood condemned on the cross with our sins upon his shoulders, that he died the death we deserve so that he could bring us into his family, that he could save us and redeem us, and that he could include us in his mission here on this earth until he comes back to take us home. And so the first three chapters are talking about all that and what it means theologically, how it should shape our understanding and change our hearts. And then chapters four through six are all about how this plays out in the life of the church. And we have to remember that while it does impact us individually, of course, it's also a message to the church corporately. And so we are this organized organism of people that have been redeemed by Jesus' work for us on the cross. And we're learning how to walk in the way of Jesus how to be like him and how to represent him and how to point others to him. And it's so easy, though, for those of us who are called saints because we have been declared righteous before God the Father, because of the sacrifice of the only truly righteous one, Jesus, that he has placed that upon us, that we are still yet those sinners who struggle in a world that is covered in darkness. I don't just mean darkness in a dark room. I mean darkness in the sin that so pervades the world in which we live and the absence of the goodness of God for those who have walked in contrast and contrary to his ways. And so we are surrounded, and even in our own lives, we have these temptations to continue walking in the darkness, even though we've been brought into the light and that we are now even declared as being light in the Lord. And yet we still struggle, we still suffer, we still have heartaches, We still have things that happen to us in our life that we know, that we know are not the way it's supposed to be. Amen? And it's hard. It's not easy. But God gives us encouragement in so many ways. And one of those ways is as we look into His Word, He shapes our thinking, He changes our hearts, and He encourages us to live out the gospel in so many ways that speak to our own lives as we serve others. And today is no different. We are in a world that is just pervasively dark. And you may be going through a time right now that is dark. You may be going through good things that even have some ramifications that bring with it some darkness in your heart, some suffering, some longing for things to be made right. And today I want to encourage you through the reading of God's Word and through, hopefully, the Holy Spirit pressing in on all of us about how we can walk in this truth that will change us and help us to be more like Jesus, help us to enjoy Jesus more until we can be with Him in eternity, enjoying Him the way we're meant to forever. So let me just pray over us, and then we're going to walk through the Word together. If you would, just close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes when you pray. That's kind of a misnomer in our world, but I want you to do so 
at the risk of sleep that might happen early these mornings as we gather. I want you to close your eyes so that you can focus in on the words I say, and as I complete them and I say amen, you can agree with me and say amen as well. Let us pray. Father, we are before you this morning gathered together because we know that you are our only hope. Father, we are surrounded by darkness, pain, suffering, fears of the unknown, fears of the known things that bring terror to our hearts. But Lord, we know that you have overcome them all in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for sending us Jesus. Thank you for loving us when we were yet your enemies. Help us this morning, Lord. Lead us in your word. Change us so that we might know you more rightly and we might worship you more accurately and correctly, that we might enjoy you more fully. Would you place in our hearts the love that you have for your own son, that it would emanate from us in a way that changes how we love one another so that the world would see us and know that we are yours because of our love for one another. And that you would place the love in us for the lost that do not yet know you. The same love that drove Jesus to step out of eternity into this place to serve us even to the point of death on the cross. Lord, thank you for sending us Jesus. Lead us to be more like him this morning. We ask in his name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. We pick it up in what seems to be in our English Bibles as the middle of a paragraph. It is really not, I do not believe, it is kind of a, a segue. Verse 7 kind of leads us into verse 8. It says in verse 7, Therefore do not become partners with them. Talking about those who are walking in the darkness, who are walking in the paths of the sexual immorality, walking ways that are contrary to the gospel. And he says in verse 8, where we pick it up today, For at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For if anything that becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And let me just hit this right out of the gate because some of you might get hung up on it a little bit. This, at the end of verse 14, this phrase where it says there, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This seems to be a quote from something. Generally, Paul would take it straight from the Scriptures. But Paul often quotes Scripture in a way of, of, of adhering to the Spirit, not necessarily to the language exactly the way it is. We can't find this exact quote anywhere in the Bible the way it is. It might come from Isaiah. 
It could come from other parts of Scripture that speak in these ways in the Psalms. We're not exactly sure. It could also be a hymn, an early hymn that was sang at the baptism of new converts as they were coming up out of the water. There's all kinds of hypotheses about where this comes from. But what I know is this. It doesn't matter where it came from originally if we can't find it because we know it's here in the Word now. And we know that it's God speaking to us through what Paul recollects that those that would see this would know even if we're not aware of where it comes from, exactly how it got to be known by them. And I want you to know that today this word is going to change you. Today the word is going to make a difference in your life. If you're here today, it's because God has a plan for you to be here, to hear this so that he can speak to your heart. So let us listen with ears to hear. Let us not be like those in the scriptures where Jesus speaks, but they do not understand. Let us seek to understand together this morning. So look back with me in verses 8 through 10, and let me kind of sum up this first section by saying this, church, you are light in the Lord. So let us walk as children of light. You are light in the Lord. Take that in for a moment. You are light. Not you're in the light, you are light. In the Lord. Look at it, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Those first few words. For at one time you were darkness. It throws us right back to where we hit on again last week in Ephesians chapter 2, where we see him saying this in verses 1 through 3, talking to the church, reminding them of where they were before they were saved. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Horrible statement about who we are apart from Christ. Bringing to knowledge the great vast difference between that and who we are now if you are in Christ. I love these words right next as Paul uses them in verse 4 there in chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, but God has done something in his rich mercy for us. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved, brothers and sisters. That is good news because we were in the darkness, dead spiritually, and he's made us alive by His power, because of His love, in spite of our evilness, in spite of our deadness spiritually. What a loving, good God we serve. We were in the darkness. And in our darkness, everything centers around our needs, our comforts. It centers around our happiness. What do we need? What do I need to be happy? What, what's not happening right now to bring me the comfort I desire? And it leads us into this dark place of looking for everything to be about ourselves. And that's the world in which we live. You see it pervasive in the culture, just flagrantly being put out there by everyone as a positive thing. 
But we are not meant to terminate our hopes, our desires, our energies on self alone, but on the worship first of God and on the service to our brothers and sisters and those who are not yet our brothers and sisters. And you were in the darkness. That's who we were, looking for our happiness, our comfort, our needs, but no longer. No longer. Listen, today you don't have that worry anymore. God loves you so much. He wants such great things for you above what you ever thought could bring you happiness or comfort or fulfill your needs. He's done more than that in Jesus for you, and he's given him to you free for nothing that you have to do if you just put your hope alone in Jesus. You were in the darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Good news. Good news, brothers and sisters. You are light in the Lord. Paul says in Colossians, talking about this, chapter 1, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. No matter what it is that you've done, even this week, God brings forgiveness to those who repent. Turn back to the Lord. Turn into the lights. Even as believers... We delve and steer sometimes back into the darkness. No longer, brother. Turn it back to the light. Sister, put your hope in the Lord. Step into the light. One of the things I've noticed about darkness and light, it's all over the scriptures. And as I've learned about life in general, it's got so many implications. I know why God uses it in that way. Maybe why he even gave it to us is because we know how the light affects us and how the darkness affects us, don't we? When I used to be a bartender, I would be there at the end of the shift, at the end of the night, and uh, a lot of people didn't want to leave. You may not know anything I'm talking about. That's good for you. But if you do know, you've been there and you've seen it, and people don't want to leave. And you know what you do to get them to leave? You turn on the lights. People leave really quick when they're in the corner, you know. When they're trying to hang out a little bit, you turn on the lights. You want to get rid, you walk into a room somewhere in some place that you don't want to be that's nasty and you want to make sure that the roaches get out of there, what do you do? Turn on the lights and you spray stuff too, right? But you turn on the lights and they flee, they scurry. You know, one of the hard things that we've been experiencing ever since my wife said we, my wife has experienced, I believe, that most women I believe go through is the, the, the bout with depression that can come on after you have a child. You know, we're going through some of this right now, just having a child and all the struggles that are associated with that. And up in Maryland, it was really hard because in the wintertime when we had our girls, uh, until this one, we always struggled because there was almost no light. Like you woke up, it was dark, and when you came home from work, it was dark. And it was hard because the darkness brought in those struggles. For many people, there are struggles in the evenings. When you're at home, when you're alone, when you're going to bed, the struggles come in the evening because the darkness is hard. But when the light comes up in the morning, His mercies are new. Every morning. Our church is experiencing this even now. His mercies are new every morning. Amen, church? Some of you have been experiencing this in the morning as you spend time with the Lord. Been through hard times. And you recognize, even though you don't feel it, you sense that His mercies are new every morning. How is that so? I don't know, but it's true. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Everything in the light centers on God. 
That's the biblical idea of light. Everything's centering on God. There's a great illustration by one of the greatest preachers in the history of the world, I believe. I wouldn't say the greatest, one of the greatest. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he gave this illustration. I'm just going to put it in my own words, but I do give him the credit. He gives the illustration of our solar system when talking about this. And he talks about how all the planets in our solar system, as you know, remember back to your like third, fourth, fifth grade classes, that they all revolve around the sun. All the planets revolve around the sun. The source of life and light. All the planets revolve around the star at the center of our solar system. And this is because if it were not so, and it began to revolve around just self, we would see everything fall into quick chaos and utter destruction. Running into one another, having things run off into a chaotic place. But instead, God has ordered our solar system, and at the head of that, in the center of that, is the source of light and life, which is the sun. And it is no different for us when we are talking about the reality of the universe that is even greater than that, And that God is the source of all life and all light for us. And so therefore, He is at the center of all things. And when He is not at the center, we are in darkness. And we are not walking in the way for which we were created, in the ways that are best for us. So let us recenter ourselves around our Father who loves us and who gives us all good things. Every good thing He gives us is from heaven above. Amen? Every good thing we have is from Him. Every good thing. And we... Although we're declared to be light, there's this little phrase that says, in the Lord, because we are not the source of the light. God is the source of light for us. He is the source. We merely reflect that light. We become the light and reflect it back out, much like in our solar system, how there are lights in the sky. They are not their own source as far as the the, the moon, our closest one. It is a reflection of the true source of light in our solar system, and we are a reflection of the true source of light in our universe as we reflect the goodness, the kindness, the graciousness of God and His truth and His revelation to us in Jesus. So let us walk as children of light. Look at those verses, verse 8 and 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. There's that word children. A few weeks ago, we looked at it again. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He calls us beloved children. Remember that even when you delve in the darkness, if you've been redeemed in the blood of Christ, you never cease to be His child. You are His sons and daughters, and He loves you, and He hates you of walking back into the darkness. He hates that, but He loves you, and you're never walking away from Him in a place where He cannot yet grab you and bring you back. You're never too far gone. And if you've never come to know Him, He has sent His Son Jesus to bring you into His family so you can be a son and daughter as well. He wants to be your older brother, so He came to save you like a good brother would. And He gave His life for you to bring you back into the family so the Father can look at you and say that you are a child of His. Not because of how great you are, because of how good He is. So walk as children of light, brothers and sisters. It's a command. When we walk in the light, we don't become pure in and of ourselves because we are still sinners. But walking in the light brings true fellowship and healing from our sins. 1 John 1, John talks about this, verses 5 through 10. Just listen, let it wash over you. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see that in the light, our sins are made known and it brings true fellowship. We've spent our lives trying to hide our faults and our sins from one another. Instead, when we walk in true community with one another and with the Lord, the light shines on those sins. And instead of scurrying for the corners and the hiding places, we let God wash that light over us. And we therefore can be freed from the bondage of those sins. And we can repent before God and our brothers and sisters and become the church we were always meant to be. It's why it's so important for us to be confessional in our gatherings. You need somebody you can share your struggles with so they can pray over you and hold you accountable. That is part of the gift of God in this church. Walking in the light brings true fellowship and healing. To walk in the light also means to get face to face with God through his word, studying him, to know him in order to love him rightly. It means being face to face with him as you pray and talk to him, beginning your day, walking through there. That word walk means to live every moment of your life in the light as children of the light, children of the Father, in his presence, recognizing you are face to face with him. So that, it says... Look at this. So this is verse 10, trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's how we can know what is pleasing to the Lord, is if we know him and know his word, we know what's pleasing to him, and we can walk in the light, away from the darkness. This is how we know. So you don't study the word just to be a good Christian. You study the word he's given us. This, this is God's self-revelation to us, so we know what pleases him, so that we can please him because he's already pleased us by sending us Jesus. So we can love him because he first loved us in sending us Jesus. We do it not simply as something we must do as a duty, but because we want to love him back. So the check in our hearts would be, why do I not want to do that? Why do I not make time to talk with him when he's always with me? Those things, those questions can bring us back into the light. Look what he says in verse 9. We'll read verse 8 and 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are in the light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Let's break those down a minute. See, he defines for us what it means here to walk in the light. For the fruit of light, that's the evidence that you're walking in the light, that you are light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. That word good could also be replaced with the word generosity. Being good towards someone is being generous towards them with your time, with your affections, with your treasure, with your talents, with your heart, with your friendship. That's being good towards someone. And we know that because God has proven the depths of his generosity toward us in giving his one and only son that was worth more than all of the creation combined, and he gave him to us as our sacrifice, a humble sacrifice to save us from our own sin and the wrath that we should incur. 
That's generosity. Giving something we cannot fathom the value of so that we could be with him forever. He uses the word right. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right. What is righteous, it means integrity. What is always holy. God says we are to be holy because he is holy. And so the fruit of light, the fruit of our lives in light, being the light, means that we will walk in integrity in all of our dealings with God and with man. And we know that's the case because we have seen that we are a reflection of the source of life and light, who is God, who is always fully walking in integrity in how he deals with us. He's always done what he says he will do. He has always fulfilled his promises. He has always completed the task, and he will complete the task in you and me. He is always, always, always going to do what is right and good because that is who he is. He will be true to his word, his character, so we can trust him. This makes it easy to walk in the light. You think, what do people find out? Find out what? That Jesus' sacrifice is enough to overcome whatever you've done and it proves how great he is? Okay, let's prove it. Let's get it out there in front of others so they can see it. You know, we will not reach the lost in this area by being better than them. And I know we don't think that we are outwardly in our minds But when we hide and shield our struggles and our faults and our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups, when we hide all that stuff from people, what we're doing is showing them that we are in a great place and they feel like they can't associate with us. When really, we're broken people, still in need of the healing power of the gospel of Jesus. And when we are honest about that with other people, it bridges relationships It helps us to get to the real one that can change them, not our holiness or our own saintliness, but the holiness of God and Jesus and his sacrifice for us on the cross. This is how it works. That we're true, that he is generous to us, good, right, and true, because Jesus is the way and the truth. This is the truth, y'all. We need Jesus. Let's lead with that. Let's not lead with, hey, you know what? You need Jesus. Let's leave with, you know what? I need Jesus. It changes everything. When we do that, we are light in the Lord, 12th Street. So let us walk as children of light. Look at verses 11 and 12. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Look, he switches here from the positive to the negative. He switches here, talking to the church, talking to us, from the positive to the negative. You are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Good, right, true. Discerning what will please the Lord. And then he turns and he says these words, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Take no part in the unfruitful works. What does he mean there? We know what he means by take no part. It means don't participate in, don't be a part of, don't do the same things. The works of darkness, the unfruitful works, they're called unfruitful because they're sterile. They're sterile. There's nothing in them that is fruitful at all. You know, darkness is not really a thing. It's the absence of light. You know that, right? 
Just like sin is not really a thing in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's missing the mark. It's the negative not doing what we should do. It's the not being holy. It's not a power. Sin has no power over you. Do you know that? Your sinful heart has power over you when you give yourself over to it. But sin in of itself is just doing the opposite of what is right, what is good, what is true. The works of darkness are sterile, and they produce nothing of value or goodness. But they promise, listen to this, they promise happiness, they promise fulfillment, and they leave us empty and wanting. They leave us hurting, sometimes hating self for walking in them. You know what I'm talking about. Think of the sin that you struggle with the most, and then think about how you feel after you enjoy that sin. Lots of promise coming into it or you wouldn't do it. But as soon as you participate in it, immediately the guilt comes in. Immediately the hatred of self comes in. Immediately the depression comes in because you've done it again. They leave you wanting. They are unfruitful works of darkness, sterility to the heart. Mark 4.19 talks about it when Jesus is talking about the four different kinds of soil. He says, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Oh, church, if not just for our own selves, how about for the body? That we would not walk in ways that would prove that we would be unfruitful in our endeavors to reach the lost and to see lives changed by the power of God. Let us not be the impedance to the gospel going forth in power. Let, let us not step in the way of God using us by speaking of his greatness in our need because we are stuck in some place with unfruitful works, taking part in the things that bring pain to God, that brought suffering to Jesus on the cross. Let us not endeavor, brothers and sisters. And the only way that's going to happen is if we band together and we're united as the body, in our small groups, in our friendships, as we lean into Jesus. He says don't take part in them, but instead expose them. This word expose them. That's a pretty scary word for those of us who are conflict averse. Amen? Expose them. It means exactly what you think it means. It means to shed light on the actions of darkness. Now, some of us are running in our minds right now and in our hearts saying, There's no way I'm going to do that. You need to repent. The way people come to understand that they need Jesus is to have their need for him exposed, and it's always attached to sin. And for those of you that think, I got this, this is my thing. <laughs> I'm good at exposing the darkness. I like to call it out. I like to point it out. Let me tell you, we need to repent. Because it must be done with broken hearts, broken for Jesus' death on the cross for those sins, broken for the people who without him will perish for eternity. Broken because the people we call out are ones who are hurting and suffering in their own sin, who need Jesus, just like we have been and sometimes still are. This is not instructing us to go around calling everyone out from our pharisaical high horse. It's not doing that. 
Instead, we are to show others their sin and summon them to repentance and love as God has done and is doing for us. Listen, Jude 22 and 23. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Or Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jesus looked at you in the moment of your sin and just said, Hey, sinner, just quit it. Why are you being such a jerk to me right now? Look at you, can't get over this thing you love more than me. I should wash my hands of you. How, how, how would you process that? Is that the Savior that we know? He looks at you with eyes of love and says, I love you. Come back. I died for that sin. I'm washing it away from you. Just turn to me now. Man, how would it change us if we even... And I'm under conviction right now for how I speak to my kids and their struggles and their sins. How would it change us in every facet of our lives? if we would simply love the way Christ loves us, exposing the sin, but for the sake of restored relationships, not for the sake of being right, for the sake of seeing people restored to God and brought into our family. It would change everything for us. We are light in the Lord, beloved. Let us walk in light, not in darkness. Let us expose the darkness. Not even speaking of their things. Let's not watch stuff and enjoy things that God is ashamed of. Let us not speak about and joke about the things that breaks the heart of God. Let us instead lead people to find hope. As we walk in the light, ourselves exposed, that we might expose their need for Jesus. Look at verse 13 and 14 as we bring it to a close here. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. You're like, well, duh, right? A little bit there? Just a little bit? When you turn the light on, <laughs> it's exposed. The next part's hard. Confusing. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For, okay, here's the grounding statement. This means this is why that is true. Right? Look at it again. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Now, isn't that a confusing statement? In seeking the counsel of many others on this passage, those dead and gone before us and through their commentaries, their books, first and foremost, talking to the Lord, asking for clarity. I think I understand what's being said here. I, I could be wrong. But I think I understand what's being said here. You see, when he says here, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. I think what he's trying to say to us, as he's speaking to the church, is that you are light in the Lord, and God wants to use us to transform the lost into the saved. I think that's what he's talking about. In the context here, he's talking about those who walk in the darkness, 
that we should walk in the light and not participate in those things, take no part in those unfruitful works, but instead expose them. And we know it's for the sake of redemption. It's for the hope of salvation. So when he says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And then he says, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I think what he's saying is that we are light now in Christ, so therefore we should recognize that God wants to use us to transform the lost, those in the darkness, to save those in the light. Look, let's just think about this. Light not only exposes darkness, right? But it transforms darkness into light. When you and I turn on a light, I've got one that gets really, because all the way across my yard, the backyard is really big. I see all the way across the backyard with my light and spotlight, anything that walks by. If I hear a coyote or if I see a fox, I mean, I think I do, I can see it in the darkness of night. Turn it on, the darkness is lit up. It becomes light. Wherever that was, it's not darkness anymore, it's light. We know that light not only exposes darkness, though, it transforms darkness into light. This is what happened to us, brothers and sisters. When you heard about Jesus, you know what happened? God shined his light of grace upon your soul, and he brought your awareness to your need for a Savior, and he showed you it was Jesus, and you turned to him, and you repented, and he transformed you from dead to life. He brought you out of the sleeping slumber of death spiritually to an awakeness of your need and to salvation in Jesus. This is what he's in the business of doing. And now he has transformed us into being ministers of that reconciliation. And here he's calling us out to do that exact thing, telling us to be walking in the light, leading others to be exposed in the lights. We are light in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says it succinctly, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Man, what a good God we serve. What a kind, merciful Savior who died for us on the cross. So let us shine in the darkness for the sake of souls. And that last bit there, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's not only speaking about the lost, he's speaking to the church. Look at it. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He's writing it to the church. I wonder if he knows what some of us know about ourselves, that some in here might be sleeping. (laughs) I don't mean because of my preaching. I mean, some of us might be sleeping and walking through the motions. You know, you can talk in your sleep. You can say the right things in your sleep. You can even sing in your sleep. You can run in your sleep. I once had a friend of mine who would get up and eat moon pies in his sleep. He would cook dinner in his sleep. He would pack his luggage in his sleep. One time he got caught outside with his luggage in his underwear. Somebody found him and woke him up. You can do a lot of things in your sleep. And everybody else around you could even think you're awake. It happened with him all the time. He'd step into the kitchen, be making something. His dad would get up, come in the room, talk to him like everything was normal. And it would take a few minutes sometimes before he realized that he was asleep. I'm telling you, church, you are light in the Lord, brothers and sisters. So let us make sure that we are awake. 
Let us ask the Lord to wake us up if we are asleep. Let us not walk in sleep thinking we're walking in the ways of Jesus. Let us walk in the light, fully awake, so that the light of Christ can shine upon us. Let us seek the Lord even now for this sake. Let us walk in the Lord because we are light, because he sent Jesus who is the light to shine upon us and to shine in our hearts. Father, we need your grace. We need your kindness. We need your goodness, your truth. Lord, work in our hearts, change our hearts, change our lives so that we would walk in your light, that we expose our own sins, expose our own faults, and that, Lord, you would use that to bring others into the light as we speak of your goodness and your grace. Lord, we need you, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.